your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, and the Odyssey app. Subscribing is completely free and ensures you never miss another episode. Tonight's show is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts a car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. On tonight's show, I wanted to take a look ahead to the upcoming season and preview some of Winnipeg's divisional opponents. We have a number of great series ongoing right now from across the Locked On NHL network, featuring previews from across the entire NHL, but I thought I would focus on the teams that Winnipeg is likely to face in this upcoming season. A number of these teams have made some acquisitions, maybe some departures, and I think the Jets actually sit in an interesting position. This is a season that's going to have a considerable amount of uncertainty. I think it's certain areas, right? I do think Winnipeg is going to be one of the front runners of the Central Division. Maybe not like an elite team, but certainly better than most of the other squads just by sheer virtue of a lot of the improvements that they've made and the fact that the Central Division itself doesn't have as many really strong teams. That said, I do think the Central has a lot of very good teams, and I, I kind of feel like the middle of the pack for, for where teams like Minnesota and Nashville and some of these other squads fall, they would be considerably stronger in other divisions if they had to compete against, say, the Pacific or something. We'll start off our preview with the Chicago Blackhawks, which, you know, this team, they've got so much going on, and I, I think obviously the most important story right now is the Bradley Aldrich case, which is, I don't even know how that's going to end. I think a lot of people are hoping that there is some kind of criminal investigation. People are held accountable and punished for their actions. What we're seeing right now, though, seems to be pushing towards the direction that, you know, consequences are going to be limited. This is an older case. I, I think a lot of what happened in the past was definitely covered up. And even if the investigation continues to reveal really appalling facts and things like that, I, I don't know how many people are actually going to be held accountable for this. Stan Bowman hasn't resigned. A lot of the general managers and staff members who were a part of this team have seemingly kept their NHL jobs without much consequence. You know, there there is a significant situation here, and I don't really know how it's going to end for anyone involved. The only thing that I can hope for is that there is justice for the victims and that this sort of stuff won't happen again, even though, to be honest, I think we all know that in certain sectors it will continue to occur. Putting that major issue and most important issue aside for a moment, I think there are certainly questions about what exactly Chicago is going to be doing over the next couple of years. This is a team that has obviously undergone a lot of transition. They're currently in a rebuilding state, and the team has definitely tried to fortify um, some depth positions and maybe make a couple of trades to try and get at least some money off the books while also bringing in guys who they think could provide NHL value. Uh, one of the biggest ones, of course, ended up being um, Tyler Johnson, who was traded for essentially a second-round pick in exchange for Brent Seabrook. I think Johnson would actually fit somewhere inside Chicago's top nine. By virtue of not really having many NHL-caliber forwards, I think that that team definitely lacks a lot of depth up front. You know, past Patrick Kane, Debrinkit, Taves, you start looking at that team, and there's not a whole lot to work with. 
on most teams, to be honest, Tyler Johnson is probably, you know, comfortably a third liner in Chicago. He might actually get a promotion to the second line. I don't really know. They also brought in Jujar Kyra. I could imagine Kyra will probably play another depth role, probably on the third line. If he were to be paired with Johnson, I could see that being an okay-ish third line, not exactly one that I would be uh, relying on for heavy minutes or anything. Kyra is more of like a fourth liner, occasionally below that level at times, but you know, either way, he probably will get a lot of ice time here. Again, this team is running very thin at forward, so guys like Kyra and you know Brandon Hagel, some of these other players that they've signed to either minor league or two-way contracts... You know, some of these guys could probably make the NHL lineup and get pretty regular ice time. Adam Gaudet being one of their other acquisitions when uh, Vancouver traded him away. On the back end, they did make a couple of changes. Jake McCabe is coming in, which McCabe is actually a significant improvement for a team that frankly does not have many quality defenders. Trading away Zadarov and getting some picks in exchange for, uh, you know, bringing in Jake McCabe in on a free agent contract. You have to like that move. I think it's actually smart. McCabe is one of those players who I think actually has a solid amount of value at the NHL level in a top four role. That is, if his health holds up. If, in fact, he's not really healthy enough to live up to his uh, four-year, four million per season deal, then at the very least, the cap hit and term are pretty reasonable enough to move if you have to. I don't think that that would be the ideal situation, but McCabe is very likely going to be better than Zadarov, even if he only plays a few games. Nikita, you know, he's not like the worst defender ever, but in terms of like his on-ice value because of the penalties that he takes, his defensive zone issues, and the limited offensive value that he provides, it's it's hard to say that McCabe can be much worse, right? Jake is probably going to come in, slot in somewhere in the top four, if not in the first pairing, and immediately be an improvement. Either way, I think their defense probably got better in addition by subtraction at least at first, and then you bring in McCabe, you dump Seabrook who wasn't really playing anyways, and then you lose Duncan Keith, which is, again, another improvement for a team that, frankly, needed to get younger on the back end. I have to say that Chicago probably did the right thing with their defense, but that still doesn't really give you a lot of confidence in this team. They're going to be at the bottom of the standings, no matter what they do, most likely. Even bringing in Marc-Andre Fleury as their goalie replacement for, um, you know, Corey Crawford isn't really going to do much. I know that Kevin Lankinen was getting a pretty good run, but you probably don't want to rely on him to be your lead number one goalie. Fleury, at least, will probably soak up some minutes. I really wish Marc-Andre Fleury had gone to a better organization, but at least we'll get to see him still playing. Even with Fleury and the improved defense, though, again, this team is still going to be towards the bottom of the central. I think they're pretty bad. I don't really expect them to have a particularly great season. They're definitely looking ahead to the future. And at this stage of their rebuild, yeah, it's way too early for them to start getting excited. They still need to rebuild their prospect core. And quite frankly, their existing core kind of has to be phased out over the next few seasons. Up next, we're going to take a look at a team that is trending in the very much opposite direction from Chicago. But before we do, I wanted to tell you a little bit about why rockauto.com should be the only place you buy your auto parts. There are literally thousands and thousands of vehicles out there, and it's really hard for auto parts stores to keep up stocking parts, accoutrements, and everything in between. You might stand in line for 15, 20, maybe even 30 minutes waiting for your chance to buy the part that you need, and you find out they don't even have it in stock. If you want to save time and money, then just go to rockauto.com instead. They're a family-run business with over 20 years of experience in the automotive industry. Their easy-to-use intuitive website allows you to sort by make, year, and model of your vehicle, and then set a price range filter so you always get the parts that you need at the prices you want. Whether you need a new engine control module or a floor mat replacement, rockauto.com is sure to have what you need in stock. And best of all, you can save anywhere from 20, 30, even 50% off retail brick-and-mortar in-store pricing. So why shop anywhere else? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked in the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. 
Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are doing a, a little bit of a team-by-team analysis of Winnipeg's upcoming Central Division opponents. Yes, we are actually getting Central Division opponents back. If you were hoping that Winnipeg would continue to feast on some weaker defenses in the North Division, well, yeah, that's not going to happen. Uh, well, at least for now, I have to say that I'm kind of concerned long-term about what exactly next season is going to look like, in part because of the rapid rise of the COVID variants and all that. But, you know, let's just assume that this is going to be the normal division next season. We've already talked about Chicago. You know, that team is definitely in full rebuild mode. They're probably going to have to tank pretty soon. And they stand in stark contrast to this next team that we're going to talk about, which is the Colorado Avalanche. Now, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about Colorado. I think most people know where this team stands. I do think their their acquisitions in the offseason and some of the moves that they made are very interesting. You know, you, you see Gabriel Landeskog being signed for eight years for $56 million over the entire term. An eight-year, $7 million contract per season is, is not terrible, I guess. Um, I think for Landeskog, I probably would have been a little bit hesitant to sign a contract like this. Make no mistake, Landeskog is a top six player and a pretty darn good one at that. Um, and certainly in, in fan favorite terms, I think a lot of people really like Landeskog. He has been the captain. So it's kind of hard to walk away from Gabe and, and say that you want to cut him loose. But at his age, he's in his late 20s, getting into his earlier 30s here over the next couple of years. This contract isn't exactly cheap. And you think about the opportunity cost of signing a veteran player when you're probably going to have some really big negotiations coming up once kids like Makar start entering their uh, their next stage post-ELC. So there's a lot of moving parts here long-term. I think Colorado is in pretty okay shape in terms of their long-term cap hits, but you know, you start looking past three, four, maybe even five years, you might get a few questions. To that end, they did make a couple of acquisitions in the offseason to try and bolster their cup run after a uh, rather disappointing run over this past uh, playoff run. They've brought in Darcy Kemper from Arizona in exchange for Connor Timmons. Of course, there were some picks and stuff exchanged, but I believe the pick that is involved in this is in fact conditional, so Kemper is an interesting one. I don't know how many games he's actually going to play. Darcy was pretty darn good in in limited stints with the Yotes. I think the biggest problem with Arizona is that all of their goalies seem to have injury issues. Kemper is like a veteran journeyman at this stage of his career. I think we all know what we're getting with him, which at times has been at the level of an elite goaltender. But, you know, whether or not he can stay healthy, whether he can keep performing at that high level despite his age... Those are probably legitimate concerns, but they needed a clear replacement for Grubauer. They now have one. I don't know if Kemper is going to be the guy. I think he's probably going to be a very good starter. They might need to get some backup games from, I think, Pavel Francos might still be on their contract books, but I don't know who else would be backing up um, backing up Kemper here. This is a team that always seems to have a bit of a goalie carousel. Grubauer, I thought, might have been the guy, but then he got signed by Seattle in a move that, again, I think is a little bit questionable, but... For, for Colorado, goaltending, usually not one of their biggest needs. Aside from Kemper, they've also brought in Ryan Murray and Darren Helm. Darren Helm should be like an okay fourth liner, I guess. I don't really know if he's going to be much of an impact player. Usually when they scout some of these depth veterans, I feel like they kind of have like a type, a very hardworking, industrious two-way player with like some defensive value and maybe somebody who can also chip in a couple of goals. Helm for one year at $1 million is kind of like a, a shrug for me, I guess. He's fine enough, but I don't think he really does a whole lot for their bottom six. 
Murray is probably the more notable acquisition for one year at $2 million. If you're looking for a guy who could comfortably slide in on your third pairing D or maybe even anchor your second pairing, you probably could do worse than Murray. Again, I don't think it's like a really needle-moving thing, but when it comes to Colorado, it's not like they really needed a game-breaking player necessarily. This team has so many game-breakers, especially up front, that it's kind of hard to imagine what specifically they need to improve upon. I think their defensive organization, once they get pinned, that's probably one of the biggest things. But, you know, the counter to that is that their style is very much run-and-gun hockey. You know, they're very high event in, in the other end of the ice. They don't often surrender a ton of offensive chances against, partially because they're so dominant inside the uh, the other end of the ice. And so, you know, if you build towards that and that's your main goal, then Colorado probably did enough to maintain their current roster. I don't think, again, that they needed to make a ton of changes. You know, tactically speaking, is probably one of their biggest needs. Um, maybe Kemper is going to be a, an upgrade on, on Philip Grubauer. Maybe they get a few extra saves. You know, looking at this team going forward, I feel like Colorado is in this weird spot where they're clearly one of the truly best teams in the NHL, but then you pit them against like a Tampa Bay, and I kind of wonder if they would actually make it out of that series. Tampa Bay is just built from the ground up as a, a very nearly complete team. You look at what kinds of weaknesses they would have, and it's really hard to find any. I mean, this is just a team that top to bottom, again, is built to win championships. And I think Colorado is is close to that, but I don't think it's quite at that level. For one thing, they do not have a Vesna winner in net. They've got guys who are pretty capable, you know, maybe 1B starters or guys who have been fringe number ones. But there's no Vasilevsky, no Hellebuck, yada, yada, yada. So that's kind of a big issue, especially if the team itself struggles like they did during, you know, the last postseason run. Once they hit Vegas, things kind of unraveled. And if Kemper isn't really ready to step up into the number one role, I do have to wonder what exactly Colorado's plan is. That's like one of their only main gaps on the roster other than the defense. And it's not like they can just pluck a really good starter from anywhere without some significant cost. I thought they might have been interested in somebody like Marc-Andre Fleury, although I don't know that that's the case now unless it gets to the trade deadline and they actually have cap space to make a move for him. But, you know, if they get playoff Fleury like he was last season, well, that's a bit of a bust. So... Yeah, Colorado, strange team in a lot of ways. I think that they're so good, and yet they're somehow just a little bit of a step behind like the truly great, great teams. They would need a decent amount of fortune to make it through a team like Tampa Bay. But as far as the Central Division is concerned, I mean, they should basically walk over the Central. I don't think that anyone's really going to touch them and get close unless something really crazy happens and maybe the Jets somehow put pressure on them. One of the teams that I do think the Jets will actually be directly competing with, and that is not Colorado, is the Dallas Stars, and we'll take a look at whether or not they're actually going to be a threat in just a moment. Before then, I thought you should hear a little bit about why Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar in the market. Are you someone who loves protein bars? Are you tired of all of your favorite protein bars tasting like ash and dirt? Maybe you're ready for a change, and as a fellow protein bar appreciator, I can tell you that Built Bar is your best alternative. It's the only protein bar that tastes more like a candy bar, with a 100% chocolate exterior and a soft, chewy interior. It comes in several delicious flavors like salted caramel, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate, and so many other great flavors. Built Bar often releases very special, limited edition, limited quantity flavors that once they're gone, they're gone for good, so stay tuned to their social media platforms and their website to make sure you never miss another flavor. As delicious as Built Bars are, they're even better for you, with most bars clocking in at around 130 to 180 calories, 4 to 5 grams of net carbs, and 17 to 18 grams of protein. Built Bars are perfect for every lifestyle, whether you're looking to maintain or lose weight. Placing your order couldn't be easier. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 at checkout for 15% off at Built.com. 
Place your order today for the best tasting protein bar on the market. In the wild, wild west of online bets, you need to know that there's a safe, reliable name that you can trust every single time. That's why you should look no further than Bet Online. They're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including the MLB, NBA, NHL, NFL, UFC, MMA, and every sport in between. No matter what you're into, Bet Online has your back. Before that next pitch or face-off, head on over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up for bonuses, and scout all the contests for your next win. Stop sitting on the sidelines as all of your favorite teams begin their playoff quests for glory. Win as your favorite teams win. To get started, go to BetOnline.ag and register for a free account, and be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive a matched 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Again, that is promo code LOCKEDON at registration to receive a matched welcome bonus when you make your very first deposit at BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are closing out tonight with some thoughts on, of course, uh, Central Division opponents. The next one we're going to take a look at is a team that is kind of hard to figure out. This team is, of course, the Dallas Stars. I don't really get the Stars in general. They're an odd team for a couple of reasons. I think the biggest thing for one is that I don't know if they're actually good or bad. This is a squad that several years ago was really known for high-octane offense and almost no defensive presence, right? They surrendered lots of goals, and they somehow scored even more, which made them a really fun team to watch, but also super chaotic. Over the past few years, though, they've kind of changed their identity a couple of times. Uh, There was a, a moment where they were really defensively oriented, but also did not score any goals. And these days, they're kind of like a decent squad, but with some serious finishing issues, and also a lot of depth players probably pushing higher up the roster than they should. They have some underrated talents here and there. I think Yoel Kiviranta in that one playoff run showed off that he maybe has some scoring knack, and and certainly there are other players that I like. I think that they picked up a really good one in Logan Stankovan. Eventually, when he makes the NHL, I think he'll be an impact player. Of course, I've got time for Miro Heiskanen and John Klingberg, but... You know, you start looking at this team and you kind of have questions about what exactly their long-term vision is, right? They brought in Michael Roffel for a year. They've brought in Ryan Suter for four years, uh, a little over $4 million per season. And they've also brought in Braden Holpe. And while they did sign a number of different depth contracts and stuff, I just don't really know what exactly you would qualify as a really big upgrade for this team. You know, they've relied on, on Jamie Benn, who is definitely declining. They've got Tyler Sagan, who's still very good but not quite as young as he used to be. And sure, you know, Joe Pavelski and Radulov are certainly effective. I've got time, quite a bit of time for Ropey Hintz, Denis Gudianov, Radic Foxa, but, you know, this team is really lacking high-end impact players. Jason Robertson, of course, is going to be a very good player down the road, but I feel like they still lack a centerpiece forward. You know, Tyler Sagan at one point when he was younger was definitely a guy that you could qualify as that franchise guy. That, that number one player and your true game breaker. But nowadays, you know, I'm not really sure if he's at that level. And their defense, in my mind, might be a little bit deeper than everywhere else on the roster. I mean, you know, Miro Heiskanen, Klingberg, Suter, Lindell, that's a pretty okay top four. And, like, their goaltending is is pretty good. You've got Bishop, Kudobin, Holpe, of course, just joined. So, there are good players in a number of different positions, maybe not Holpe so much, but most of the other players I think are, are certainly capable of performing at the NHL level. I just feel like once you start getting into the depth and, and certainly moving past the top six and the top pairings, it gets a little bit dicey. 
this is a team that just feels like it's very top heavy and usually they've tried to get around that by like distributing the ice time and moving guys up and down the lineup to compensate but in a central division that's going to have a lot of pretty decent to above average teams I feel like Dallas is kind of stuck in in neutral right this is a team that's getting older that has some good you know prime players right now but not guys who are high-end elite game breakers they've got players who are more in the I wouldn't say Vrana class even because I think Jakob Vrana is like a very special talent. Probably more on like the Roddick Fox tier of players where they're very productive for limited ice time, but you're not looking at these guys to carry your offense every season. So Dallas is a weird one. They might be on paper about the level of like the Winnipeg Jets. I think the Jets have a lot more finishing talent and certainly a far and away better goaltender. But the rest of the team, you know, it does actually compare at least somewhat favorably to what the Jets are running. The defense is probably better. They've got like, you know, two number one D or at least guys who would probably be number one D on the Jets. Uh, They've got, you know, some really good forwards, you know, in a similar position, I think in their top six, maybe some of the guys are starting to exit their primes and are, you know, their veterans are on the older side and not particularly great. So I could kind of see that the bottom six kind of in a similar position, but overall, I think the Jets just have better finishers and better creators. So, you know, you look at these two teams If I had to pick one over the other, I think Dallas is going to finish below the Jets this year. I I could see them getting like fourth or fifth in the division. I just feel like they have a really tough battle going between Minnesota, Winnipeg, and Nashville. No one's coming for first place, I don't think, but the rest of the division is totally up for grabs, and I just feel like this Dallas Stars team is kind of long in the tooth, and there's not many ways for them to rapidly improve unless one of their young drafted prospects is somehow ready for NHL duty right now. I'd be curious to know what you think of Dallas and some of our other Central Division opponents that we've discussed so far. I'll talk about more teams over the next couple of days, see if any of these squads are actually going to be genuine threats to Winnipeg's plans for success. Let me know what teams concern you at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter. For tonight's podcast, though, that is going to do it. Before you log off, don't forget to check out our Locked on Bets podcast. Betting on the NHL doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Starling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked In Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your favorite media. And as always, thanks for listening. Have a great night, and go Jets go.